Trent Greener is the former head strength conditioning coach for the University of Wyoming. He has done work across the Special Operations community and is currently working with the Air Force Special Operations Command in their Human Performance Division. Our conversation with him focuses deeply on the why behind fitness and helps us understand how each individual needs to consider their own goals, struggles, and lifestyle to truly be all they can be. Let's get after it. We have a professional obligation for the ethical application of, uh, of force. You can have a growth mindset where you're always achieving for better. This is about us, about our guard, our reputation. We are all in this together. Outthink, outmaneuver, and outfight the enemy. If you wage war, do it energetically and with severity. This is the only way to make it shorter and consequently less inhumane. This is the Raven Report. I'm Chaplain Brandon Sanders, and I'm on with none other than Trent Greener. Trent, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Trent Greener. Currently, I'm the uh, Senior Strength Conditioning Coach uh, for AVSOC 1 of 2. I'm stationed at the 27th Special Operations Wing here in sunny, beautiful Clovis, New Mexico, currently. Talking to you live. <laughs> well, there you go. And then we also have uh, Captain Josh Moen on. Josh? Hey, everybody. This is Captain Josh Moen, the Holistic Health and fitness director for the state of Washington. My actual title is project officer, but I call myself a director because my active duty counterpart, they're 100% directors and they're all like GS 13s or 14s. So act as if, as what I've heard from my right. good friend, Sergeant First Class Casey Gersley. Well, you're always a director to me. All right. So, <laughs> um, before we get really too far into it, I didn't realize that you were in Clovis, New Mexico. Uh, I am. Yeah, so uh, have you ever actually been to the actual Clovis site in New Mexico? I have. So we went walking around, and I was just down there in the last month in the museum. And I've got to say, it's on the Eastern New Mexico University campus. And so uh, it's an amazing exhibit. The museum is small, but it's just packed full of power. And, uh, and the site itself was closed that day. We kind of walked on the outside, but been down there and... and been able to kind of regale in the history and everything. So we'll, we'll, we'll take the walking tour when they open it back up. Uh, I'm super jealous. I mean, uh, just for everybody who doesn't know, Clovis, uh, Clovis, New Mexico, basically named the first people they think that came onto uh, North America, and they became known as the Clovis people. Uh, even though now it, it seems like uh, as anthropology advances, it seems to be kind of being slowly debunked that maybe there was more than one people. But either way, it's a really cool place to be. It is. It really is, and uh, uh, anybody has the opportunity to visit, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's very interesting, or just to kind of GTS, you know, Google that stuff and, and find out a little bit more about it, so, and we're not too far from Roswell, and that's a whole difference, that's a whole difference. <laughs> there you go, those are the other people. <laughs> right, so, uh, so, so Trent, what takes uh, somebody with your background to Clovis, New Mexico to work for uh, JSOC? Yeah, so what uh, what this is all about is just a, a career that probably, like a lot of people, right, we have this career arc and this goal, and and whenever we think that we're kind of firming up in our head as in high school or some part of our life that what we want to do and what we want to be, uh, this really is just a continuation of, of things that I wanted to do when I was uh, a teenager. Uh, you know, it's in human performance now, it's got all these nice titles and everything, and and the military and DOD calls us human performance optimization, and, and, and they give us all these things. But really, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. You know, we're just architects. We're trying to optimize performance. And so this is just kind of a stop 
like everybody, I think um, nobody really has that straight path, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of circuitous routes to where we are right now. So this is going to be around my eighth year in the soft community, and uh, that just kind of bridged uh, uh, that kind of bridged over from spending 25 years as a strength and conditioning coach at the university level. So in Clovis, you know, I had the opportunity to come here, AFSOC. I had never been in AFSOC, and so working uh, with this group is brand new to me. I had been in uh, JSOC Special Mission Unit and uh, NATO Special Operations Headquarters. But uh, this, again, allowed me just a continuation of just really putting back into very valuable people, which I think is some valuable information, uh, especially I've just been learning. I mean, I'm still a rookie. Uh, the last eight years or so, last seven to eight years, I've learned a lot, but it allows me to kind of continue giving back to the military, who as a non-military individual has given me and my family a lot. So, Right. Yeah. So, um, so you're the, the strength and, and conditioning coach for AFSOC. So let's first, so like uh, we're the 81st Striker Brigade. Uh, so like, can you just kind of unpack what AFSOC is and then we can kind of go on to like what you do for them? Yeah, right. So we are part of, uh, of AFSOC has basically, so let's, let's take two steps back and just look at POTA, Preservation of the Force and Family, right? Okay. And so when that POTA initiative was launched, right, back in 2012, 2010, 2012, somewhere about there, and then the contract got bid out and they started putting people in the seats and everything. And it really was kind of a physical domain dominated uh, uh, kind of an effort. Right. And so they, they, they interviewed all the people. And, and basically it was before preservation of force and family. The task force found out that they interviewed all the soldiers and, and the soft community and the leadership. They interviewed families and everybody that had a, a touch with the soft community. And they found out basically that there was a lot of pressure on the force and family. So how can we kind of alleviate that and mitigate some gaps because we were on an untenable pace? POTIF was developed to create unique strategies for very unique individuals in unique times. And so they started kind of rolling out, well, let's get physical strength conditioning coaches because uh, we need to be able to maintain our level of readiness, right? And our relevance going into the future. And strength conditioning coaches at the college level and at the professional level, they kind of know what to do. Um, and, and no unintended, you know, slight towards the military, but we came in with different eyes and we found some different solutions, right? And we, we had different programming. And so that, we were part of a, a solution. And so uh, to kind of move it up to where I am now, AFSOC has what they call an IRON program, an Integrated Resilience Optimization Network. Big words, a lot of 50 cent words in there. <laughs> but basically, right. it's just the overall growth and it just shows kind of where POTIF has come from, from strength conditioning coaches and tactical dietitians and cognitive performance and sports medicine athletic trainers. Now we have social welfare, we have uh, community uh, peer support networks. We have licensed social workers. Uh, we have cognitive enhancement people. We have the strength and conditioning coach back to the other physical stuff that I mentioned earlier. So now we have all these really specific domains that we've drilled down on and identified where we need subject matter experts because it's vital to the airman. It's vital to the soldier, whatever, whatever enterprise the DOD you're in. So in ASOC, this iron effort, um, it's kind of broken down into social, psychological, cognitive, um, and then the physical domain, uh, which I'm in. So as the senior strength conditioning coach, AVSOC, Air Force Special Operations Command, uh, headquartered in Hurlburt down in Florida, uh, they are kind of A1Z. And Clovis is kind of like 
HQ West. Well, so we've hired on all of these strength conditioning coaches. And so, we, you know, I'm going to have ended up having about 20 assistant strength conditioning coaches. Um, wow. So we serve a lot of people and we do a lot of things. And so the next step up is kind of a senior strength conditioning coach and then the branch chief, right? Our human performance advisor and our branch chief, uh, a GS position. And so, uh, and actually another contractor is the human performance advisor. And so uh, my role is to kind of oversee, make, make sure we're just doing the right thing. Let's get eyes on program, let's vet programs, let's vet best practices, uh, and let's talk about what we're doing. Every community is different. You go into a building, if you're in intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance, things like that, you're in, in flyers, you're a gunner, you've got different needs. So it's not a one size program fits all, right? We're not gonna roll out a five, three, one or a high school football program or these are soldiers. So these are master generalists. And I don't mean that in a, in a demeaning way, but we have to find unique ways that CODA intended us to do to kind of meet the needs of the individual because we wanna open the aperture of their personal and their professional career. It's a 50-50 gambit, right? I've seen as many high-performing, physically dominant individuals in, um, in my previous stops that failed because of finances and the house and because of kids and relationships. Their physical passport, their resume, their biological stuff was spot on. It was amazing, but they couldn't handle it and hold it together and they frayed at the edges. So my part is to kind of oversee uh, the strength and conditioning aspect of ASOC iron. Right. Yeah, that's super cool that they're they're looking at it through those lens. I, I'm uh, in a previous career. Um, I used to work on DoD aircraft, and I knew a guy that had come off of the uh, the now disclosed B twenty one program. And uh, the reason why he was there wasn't because he was a bad mechanic, or he was actually an avionics technician, uh, or anything like that. It was because his home life just like went completely off the rails, and they pulled his clearance, and then he couldn't work anymore. But he was absolutely brilliant at it. So I could totally see that thing that happening uh, in that community as well. And so it's cool that that they're looking at it more um, holistically. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, hundred percent. And and that's a that's a great example. And I think we we could all probably cite those examples where it's like sometimes the easiest thing they can do is come in and prepare physically, right? It's kind of the it's an escape room for them in a certain regards. And and I got to be honest, I I said this to to all the guys I've been in front. I I get to be the cool uncle kind of a dad. I'm a little bit older, so I'm older than most of the guys I work with, uh, which is a good thing. But um, uh, you know, we get to come in and and we get to actually be kind of a point of contact where we can vet some information and they know when they talk to us like hey i'm having this issue or something and then i can be kind of like the bridge that say hey have you talked to dr so-and-so have you talked to our clinical op maybe i should get you into our physical therapist because you've got mechanical low back pain and stuff it's just not going away and and so we help connect dots as well because we kind of are on the forefront of that uh they're always going to come into the gym most of the time right we're always going to see them or we have a lot of more points of contact and visibility uh and sometimes you can just see it like in my former life as a collegiate strength conditioning coach i can tell your demeanor and your attitude and kind of you got things going on just by the way you walk into the room same thing with these guys if you walked in captain sanders you walked in and maybe the hat's pulled down you're kind of looking at the ground or you know you're you're mumbling kicking dirt or whatever like I might just, hey, after we get warmed up and get a few sets of bench or squat, and I might say, hey, what's up, boss? How you doing? And then maybe we prevented something. And that's where the magic happens, right? And we are embedded assets. So I'm with these guys. I am in their building. And so I have all the uh, 
the necessary security clearances to get me behind the very last firewall. I get to watch operations in progress. And so um, that allows them to see me, hey, he's trustworthy. Uh, he's going to help me stay fit, stay uh, fit for the fight and stay in the game a little bit longer. But maybe he can also help me in other areas. So, yeah. Right. No, yeah, that resonates with me a lot because that's very much like uh, what I do as, as a chaplain. They, they look at me like, okay, so you're the, the spiritual dude or whatever, but I end up just getting to know people and then not just the people in our formation, but the resources that are there. And you start to kind of pay attention to them. You see them on a regular basis. You say, hey, look, you know, I know you got this going on. Let me introduce you to this over there. It sounds like y'all you're doing much the same type of work. Well, and our chaplains, I'll say this, Captain, um, um, you're spot on. Our chaplains are the ones that can have the conversations that, that stay private, right? We don't need, you guys don't give up the goose and, and you guys withhold that information and, and you can kind of have that, that one on that true one-on-one, -on -one, right? If something were to go askew or something is identified to me in a conversation, I've got to be like, mm, you know, I've got to be able to tell somebody this, but our chaplains are amazing. And we actually try, I've done many uh, offsites with chaplains back in Virginia and here, especially we do moral injury clinics with our chaplains that head up um, after guys come back from deployment and, uh, and and we just try to get everybody back on the same page, right to a good baseline. And so our yeah. chaplains do amazing work, yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah, so um, with that holistic approach to like just overall health, um, how, like, how have you seen the, the physical both be um to, like manifest problems but also be able to fix problems or or have you yes and so because we don't have eight hours a day for the next five days so right, right the things that are right the things that we can do i will say this and I, and I learned this and i learned this in college too because guys yeah i want to get bigger and faster and stronger roger that you know i got you i got you how's your blocking technique do you run do you throw well do you other things like master your craft that the biomotor stuff, the physical stuff that you do is grounded in having strength and power and flexibility and mobility, all that stuff. Same thing with our operators and the same thing with our people here is that um, my training and my integration with you and the things that I do should only add value. It should never detract from your operational readiness and your relevance and the things that you do. If I'm big and too big of a hole for you physically to get out of, no bueno, like that's a hard stop, right? And so I'm very, um, I'm very balanced in the way that we do this because you know the the military older, it's not a it's not a collegiate population, and their job is their job. Um, high school, college kids are going there, and they've got all the benefits, all the resources. They take a few classes a day, they go practice, they lift weights, and people feed them three meals a day. And so here they got wives and kids and stress and life and you know financials and everything else, and so. The physical sometimes can become a problem if, if we let it and if, if guys go too far to the extreme. So part of it is not only program development, but it's also education. I try every day to educate myself out of a job. I want them to know the why, uh, you know, at least give them the wave tops and stuff. I, I brief them like, hey, this is what we're going to do the next three weeks. We show up for day one or on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I tell them what we're doing, why we're doing it. We go over it and things like that. And I also tell them, hey, you know, a lot of guys, you know, I, I can cite all the research because I got immersed in it for a long time. I've been in for the last seven, eight years, you know, whether you're downrange and, and Oconus or whatever you're doing, uh, musculoskeletal injuries by a lot of kind of off-label PT, non, 
non-squadron driven, non-PT leader driven, non-strength conditioning coach driven is the problem for the MSKI. And we still have 66% fail rate. It's two thirds of MSKIs come from PT. And we have too many people uh, sitting on the bench and not in the game or that we're gonna shorten their careers. And I don't wanna put money on it, but from the VA standpoint and going to see a PT and getting TRICARE and doing all the other stuff, it's a bad business model. Uh, it's unsustainable. And we, recruiting's getting harder, so we gotta do more with the people that we have. And so the physical can become a problem. And so we have to educate guys. Look, you're not an Instagram model and you know, you don't compete in CrossFit unless you do. <laughs> I, well, and I'm not, and, and I'm not bashing thing, but you're not a power lifter, you're not a weight lifter, you're not a body, but you know, this is what you're going to do. Now, some people want to go do that, and they get in, they get into the elite athlete programs that all the the enterprises have, right? You know, the Navy, the Army, the uh, right. Air Force, same thing. And they don't want to do that, but those are the one in you know hundred thousand people. Uh, so the physical can become a problem, and so as much as we want it, and we want the best thing for them. Um, it's a matter of us sometimes being the coach, being a woe guy, not a giddy up guy, right? And so sometimes we have to educate people like less can be more. Let's take care of the basics and let's just keep you in the fight for the longest time. Right. So what I hear you saying is that like um, your kind of approach to physical fitness isn't necessarily be bigger, faster, stronger, but, but be more appropriately set to what you're going to go do. Right. I tell guys, and again, I've worked with guys in water guys ground guys now I, I have guys that keep planes up in the air right and they fly and they do things and like i said in the isr community they're big brains and some of them you know physically haven't done a whole lot but they do stuff tactical and whatever in that isr community that that they hit home runs a lot and so what i tell them is i'm going to program for them and make it operationally relevant we know that body composition is an issue in the military now it can mean a lot of different things but Overall, for long-term health, body composition, the better it is, generally confers long-term health. We want to have strength to support movement. Do you have to deadlift three times your body weight? Mm, probably not. You know, do you have to do some things? Yeah, we want to have some movement patterns, have the basic amount of strength um, and to, to ensure that we are supporting movement and that, uh, that everything else is kind of functioning at a high rate. But do too much, <laughs> excuse me, if we do too much, then, you know, we, there's things that go on in, you know, endocrinology and hormone level and, and stress and cortisol where we're digging too big, too big of a ditch for them to crawl out of and recover to get the benefits of training. And uh, it, it leads them down a dark path. And so, yeah, it's operationally relevant. Right. No. Yeah. So I, um, I personally, I, I follow a lot of like mountain tactical stuff. And so, yeah. like, yeah. So, and, and Shaw is really big on, uh, programming to a certain sport. So like I'm right now, I'm right through their, uh, in the middle of their backcountry hunting, uh, program, uh, thing. So a lot of step ups, a lot of terrible leg blasters. If I could get by with this <laughs> leg blaster again, I'll be happy. Um, but, uh, yeah. So like that, that, that really resonates with me. And it's, it's pretty cool to see that the soft community is kind of gravitating towards that. Cause it, it makes a lot of sense, you know, that just do what you're, what you're for, you know? Right. And, and so we want to have a big foundation, right? We can't just say, Hey, there's gotta be the highest degree of transfer, right? We can't walk around in rucks and do this. So, you know, Air Force guys who wouldn't know what a ruck is. I mean, SDS guys, but, but most of the guys, you know, they, they have different needs and stuff. And so we can't say, well, we've got to match it exactly. Like I said, everything's going to be grounded in strength and endurance and mobility and coordination. And so all those biomotor capabilities that we can kind of measure are also trainable. 
just how high do we want to train? We want nice, wide, foundational things so they can continue. Because some of these people that we're working with are going to assess to something else. They might take another assessment. They might move into another lane. Um, and so we want them not to be too far away from that. If, and if they do that, those are more kind of one-offs. If we have some people that say, hey, I want to go do this, gotcha. Okay, so we can kind of sprinkle some stuff in. But again, yeah, operationally relevant. When you're under high stress, you don't eat well, you don't have, you're not surrounded, uh, you know, just by the, <coughs> some of the best conditions, you're out in the heat, you're out in the sun, you're wearing boots and stuff like that. We can't just take a sport training template uh, or some kind of, you know, other template and just lay that over. There's too many other things going on. And sometimes guys are like, ah, you're in the military. I know guys that do Outlook Warfare eight, nine hours a day. They're anteriorly rotated over a computer, but it's what their situation is. Sometimes in our mindset, we're like, oh, yeah, they're moving downfield or they're getting up and out and they're moving. No, 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 not always. Right, right. Yeah, so you, you touched on the, the body composition thing, and I, I've noticed that just um, being in the, in the military for, for a while that, like, it seems like uh, people are, because of our diet, because of just the way life is in the modern world, uh, that body composition is is a big struggle. Do you have any advice, just general advice for uh, people how to not be so round? Coach, coach. (laughs) Um, I'm going to jump in really quick here. I'm not going to answer the question. I'm just going to, I'm just going to share a quick story from the Rochelle athletic center in in Laramie, Wyoming. And it was something that coach Greener had, uh, had written up on his board that I'll never forget. And it, it spoke to my heart and it spoke to everybody else. And people have heard it a million times, but it said, you can't outwork a bad diet. Yeah. And he had it written up there and in, in, in not Sharpie, but one of those pens, like a colored pen. And I was like, man, it's so true. The older I get. And I know, I know coach that you've seen it time and time and time again at every stop, uh, whether it be collegiate and or the DOD, but that yes, coach Greener has been so clued in on that fact for decades and can speak to it. I'm sure ad nauseum. Well, and it affects like your, let me see if I'm on. Yeah, it affects your plumbing, right? And so what you eat is kind of what you are. And so, and I always say, if guys, you ever have a chance and you're taking, uh, you know, you take blood or something like that, or you can have some blood work done. I think I encourage it, right? You don't want to be a guinea pig or anything, but take a look and get some of your draws and and see what your vitamin D is and see what your cortisol and and take a look at some of that stuff because that'd be very revealing uh, to those individuals. And, you know, obviously the professional that can kind of counsel you up, counsel you up on that. But it affects everything. So when I go back to body composition, right, it's been it's been a thing in the military for 80 years, right? They, they had physical fitness tests and stuff like that. It's been an issue for a long, long time. And body composition means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. For some people, it's just to pass a tape test. It's to pass a BMI. Air Force just now rolled out body composition management. And we have now our PTLs, our physical training leaders, are now body composition managers. So we've got a whole thing going on. But it's always an issue. And I will say this. I am now even more so, uh, and, and Josh brought up that point, and that's true. It's, it's 100% true. But there's also a lot of other mitigating factors, right? And so it's not just this national line. But we're going to put this up, and, and we're going to stop this thing here. It's a lot of different things. It's so multifactorial. It's life style it's your stress stress is cortisol cortisol can add fat to an individual right it can be adipose uh, it can it can, it can drive adipose accumulation 
stress. It can reduce your amount of sleep. Sleep, when we have endocrinology and growth hormone that come out over long REM sleep periods, and we want more cycles of that. It's your food. It's what you drink, right? Alcohol before bed. I got guys that tell me, team guys, but yeah, yeah, boss, coach, it calms me down and stuff like that. It's like, you might get to sleep faster, but you have poor quality deep sleep and stuff. And so it's this lifestyle. And so if you're always under stress and you're not sleeping, add on top of that bad nutrition habits, right? Bad choices. Bad choices make habits. The habits form you, right? And so the whole lifestyle kind of crucible of all the things going on, man, the psychological, the physiological, your training, um, so much of that. In fact, when we intake guys, I tell them, I ask them when they come in, I don't ask them about their deadlift, the squat, their body. I say, you know, how many hours do you sleep? How much do you drink a week? Do you do tobacco? Let's start there. I can <laughs> tell them, I can tell them those three things where we need to kind of hone in on, right? I'm old enough to say, I know what a checkbook looks like, but I can say, tell me <laughs> some things like that. And I know where you're spending your money. It's like looking in your checkbook back in the day. I could open that up and say, yeah, you know, McDonald's or this and that, now people got credit cards, but I'm going to follow your credit card. I'm going to follow your, your EBT or your transfers and stuff like that and see how you live your lifestyle. Your lifestyle is the most important thing for your training and for your personal and your professional development, it is. Um, and so what's my recommendation is to look at those three things first off, right? And get a control. And I got to be honest, I think most of us, and I, and I don't mean to demean our, you know, our tactical dietitians are off the rails. They have the, most, the best certifications, the best credentials. They are the, you know, they don't get on the Instagrams and all this stuff because they can't. They're behind curtains and stuff. They're the smartest people out there. And so when guys come in and they say, hey, you know, I, what's this? I need to take this supplement and stuff. And we get down to the, the brass tacks and say, what are you eating? How are you eating? What are you doing? What are you sleeping and drinking? And those are the issues. But I would say sports nutrition can be common sense. Okay. If you know you're driving through and somebody hands you a meal through a window into your car, <laughs> probably not great. When I go into Walmart or, or I go into something else store, you know, and I'm shopping kind of in the middle of the aisle, about eye level, buying stuff that comes in, you know, you know, the paper, the, the plastic bags, and it's got a bunch of words that have 30 letters in it and stuff, and it, it crunches, probably not great. So <laughs> I would say that there's no one way because everybody's a little bit different, right? And so I think that the first thing to do is really look at lifestyle, and then we can kind of hone in on some of that other stuff. So, and, and I would say, and it, and it goes back to, I know people that are more worried about the supplements that they're taking than the food that they're eating. And it's 100%. Yeah. Supplements are in addition to when you have everything else figured out and it can fill in a gap. And that means your training's on point. You're spinning up for something. You're going out the door. You're burning the candle at both ends. And you just need something to kind of fill the gaps of where maybe nutrition is kind of not hitting or not connecting. So long yeah. answer to a short question. Apologies but it's super complicated, but it can also be super easy with three easy questions. What do no, you sleep? Do you yeah. drink? And are you using tobacco? That, that's, that's great. Um, it, it really kind of keyed off a lot of like the, the chaplain side of my brain because like <laughs> I can, I can tell you like uh, I get some dude comes in my office. If he's super like overweight or whatever else, I know there's a problem. I mean, you just know it because, because of a lot of the things that you're saying the same thing. And it's, you know, 
they live a super stressful life that leads to what I, you know, it's called medicine of the mouth. I'm just going to eat and drink my way to, to happiness. And the next thing you know, that they're 4,000 pounds and you're, you're like, well, you know, like it just adds to, adds to it because now they're failing PT. Now they're failing height and weight. They have all this career stress stuff. And, and you're just trying to like, Oh my gosh, like let's go back to square one. And like, you know, when was the last time you slept? And I've had soldiers that, uh, that, you know, they, they sent to me because of suicidal ideation, I put one kid in the in the, uh, the back of my car one time and drove across the state of Washington a couple of times because of a bunch of dra- other drama that was happening. He slept for 16 hours straight. And I was like, dude, <laughs> when was the last time you actually slept? And he was like, well, I don't know, you know, like work and stuff. And I was like, dude, like, man, you got to sleep. You got to sleep. Uh, so and, a lot of that resonates. Yeah. And, and so that's a perfect example. I mean, that's somebody whose lifestyle had kind of creed, right? It got all, it, it hit the guardrails and it's bouncing left and right. It might be ready to jump the guardrail or something like that. And, and I'm, I'm glad you were there for that individual first and foremost, uh, chaplain. And that, that's awesome. That's a great, that's a great win, but the lifestyle, right? And so it's interesting that all this, uh, all the human performance and all the strength and conditioning coach, this, this kind of this physical, cognitive, sports medicine, all these different domains and subject matter experts, right? They were applied to soft. But I can tell you, we were putting Band-Aids on guys, and right? And so we know from all the research that every time a person goes through an assessment, by the time they get out of basic, 50, 60%, women at a higher rate, men at a lower rate, but have one kind of MSKI, musculoskeletal injury. So we've already got like a, a pretty good sized portion of your females and your guys have something coming out of basic. Then if they go into whatever their MOS is, and some guys want to get into a, another selection or something, by the time they get you know, uh, a selection into it, they might have two MSKIs at a young age or three. So they've missed time. they got pre-existing injuries. The one, um, and, and we know the best indicator for a future injury is, is a pre-existing injury. Those who have been injured are more prone to get injured. That is an absolute truth. And so now... We've taken that kind of human performance program with the soft community where we were putting on band-aids, just getting guys out in the door because it was 2014 when I got in 2015 and where I was, the tempo was just ridiculous. Nobody was coming home and on a rejuvenation recovery cycle. You speak what language? Okay, pack up, you're gone. And so it was just this crazy mission after mission. And so now we've taken that mindset, that carnivore potive preservation of the force and it's gone down to H2F. Because in my opinion, everybody at a garrison level, they were doing horrible things. And I will say back to lifestyle, one of the problems, there was a great article just in the Army Times just recently. And I think, uh, oh gosh, Captain, I'm going to say the wrong name. Forget it. I don't want to say anything. But <laughs> they, they talked about, right, you get trapped on base. Some people live on base. Uh, they go to these AFIs and these, these shopettes and things like that. You know, tax-free sugar and candy bars, tobacco, alcohol. And you go in there and it's hard to make a good decision. I walk through them. It's hard to make a good decision on somebody that doesn't have a lot of money and they show them cheap food. And that's the nature, right? They got rippets and they've got all these other things and the 300 milligram caffeine, but it's only got 10 calories in it. But when do you need 300 milligrams? I would say on a night shift or if you're out doing night ops or something, you have you would have to make a strong argument why you need 300 milligrams right now before you go do chest day, right? You need that before <laughs> chest day? Right. Interesting. Right but they don't have access to food. It's almost like a food desert. They get strapped for time. They got to go to work. And then it's like, it's a food desert, right? That modern concept in poor parts of of urban centers and stuff. And it's like, they just go get what they can get. 
So we have to arm them with education, but we need to surround them with better options and stuff. So again, that, that article in the Army Times talks about the climate obesity rates, and we need to point the finger at ourselves. Army, big army needs to point the finger at themselves. They let some of that stuff stand in the way of a better lifestyle, at least lifestyle choices. If they make the wrong choice, okay. If they don't have a lot of choices to make, hey, shame on us. I'll, I'll 100% substantiate that because I can remember being a private at Fort Drum about 2005. I was the only one with a car and like, uh, and it was like, I got 400 bucks every two weeks or some absurd little amount of money. And like, <laughs> I remember I'd never eaten ramen noodles before. I mean, I grew up in South Arkansas, so we ate a couple of like deer meat and random weird stuff, but like, I never once even heard of ramen noodles and like somebody mentioned it in the barracks. I was like, what's this? And so we go to Walmart and I was like, Oh my gosh, I like look at this treasure trove of financial freedom. I just found because now I can just stuff my face with ramen noodles. Oh. And then we're working like 16 hour days sometimes because we we're pre-deployments right in the middle of GWAT. And uh, like a, a lot of times we couldn't leave and I didn't want to leave, you know, because gas in New York in town was like $4 a gallon back whenever everywhere else was like a dollar a gallon. Um, and, uh, like, so we went to the, the, the little, uh, cooler there that we, we kept in our office that we had, like, you know, those little microwavable burritos and stuff. And so that's what I fed myself for, for, for a long time. And then, you know, I, I get out of, uh, out of active duty and just blew up like a balloon because I was used to eating that way. But the difference was, is I was burning 4 billion calories a day running around. So that was definitely a, I, I totally get what, what that article is saying and what you're saying. It makes per, perfect sense. So. Right, right. So, again, back to the body comp, we measure it. But what are we doing with the information and how do we do, provide guided enhancement? That's the other thing. And so that's, a, that's I think, one thing that, that I was able, you know, I had so many tools at my disposal and resources. I was the human performance lead for, for, our, for the unit and for the, the force in Virginia. And so... I was, we were hiring dietitians and we were putting stuff and they were, we were meeting and just ideating and stuff. And we would go and present something and says, Hey, you know, here's kind of this, you know, let's do a proof of concept. And they go, Oh, let's just run it. How much money do you need? And so we were resource rich. And so God bless the DOD. And we had this huge cash of funds, anything human performance, right? We were the new hot person in town. And like, if we wanted it, we got it. And so our guys were, you know, the guys made noise and they got it. And so being able to have the right resources, but if you don't have the right resources, you got to go know where to go get them. And that's that education piece. And I can't get away from that, right? Because we just want the new shiny toy. Well, give me something. It's got Velcro. Or it, this is, it, it bangs louder or it, it tastes, but, you know, give them the education so they can make informed decisions. And, and right. And so that, I think that H2 effort with all that education, at least now everybody can kind of see, all right, Here's the, here's the floor of information that everybody's going to get. And so now as they move forward, everybody's singing from the same sheet of music. And so I think that's super important right now. It's a great effort uh, that, that's taking place in the Army. Right. So like, hey, a, so, go ahead, Cody. Joe, yeah, yeah. So I, I think one thing that I've kind of touched on late, late in life, and, and, um, and it's kind of an economic principle, right? The division of labor. So what I've kind of arrived at in my life and, and coach and I talked about this a little while ago when I, when I confessed to him that I joined a CrossFit gym, like, and did, did the unthinkable because I just got to a point in my life where number one, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to write my own programming. Um, Cause it was just super boring and I would work out by myself and I didn't like it. So I started, I started enacting this principle in my own life of, of hiring professionals outsourcing as much as I could and, and it looks differently. And so the most recent one was um, was 
having my brother do my nutrition because I've been doing my own nutrition and meal planning for over 15 years um, and come to find out I really wasn't as good as I thought I was. And so I've had to not only educate myself, but then also enlist the services of professionals that do this on a daily basis, this specific stuff that I know that I have the educational background and the experience to write my own program, but I just didn't want to. And then nutritionally, I, I knew enough to be dangerous, but not enough to be highly effective and to really maximize performance or even really, um, I'm sure if I had blood work done, it probably wasn't fantastic. So literally just, this is an anecdotal, um, but I'm willing to bet that if, if we did have a lot of people that, that, that met with a registered dietitian, got on something, some type of prescribed nutritional plan, um, they would see and probably experience and feel what I felt within the first 24 hours of my brother touching my nutrition. And it was what, what I describe it to people as, is life altering, where people looked at me, um, people in my, my social circle and even the military, and they make jokes about me being Captain America and, and the paragon of fitness. And I'm like, man, I was broken all the time. Um, constantly battling through through injuries and never really felt great, didn't sleep that great, struggled with, I'm sure I had cortisol levels that were just rivaling that of, of a, a dude downrange who hadn't slept for 14 hours straight or, 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 you know, 48 hours straight. So I just, I was not in that great a shape, but then literally within 24 hours of my brother handling my nutrition in conjunction with other professionals handling, handling my training, it, night and day. Like I woke up coach. I literally felt like I was 19 years old playing at Washington state university again, but like stronger. <laughs> and, and, and it was 100% because of, because of the nutritional component, which I know you guys have already touched on it. And, and we just, that's a point that needs to be driven home so hard. And there's so much education that needs to happen time and time and time again, because chaplain, I know you and I see it on drill weekend. You see everybody with a monster energy drink in their hand or, or some derivative of, and maybe, uh, and, and coach, I know you see the same thing, uh, maybe some, some dip in their mouth or a pouch, or maybe they're outside smoking or vaping. Um, and then you ask them what they ate and they're like, oh, I didn't eat breakfast this morning or oh, I'm not really gonna eat lunch. I'll eat when I get home. I'm, or I'm, here's, the, here's the one that gets, that gets Captain Moen. I'm intermittent fasting and I just, Oh, I try to suspend judgment, but it just, oh my gosh. But people are getting education. It's just maybe not in the best places and it's not from professionals. Um, and so I think it's our job as, as, as a chaplain, as an H2F director, and then also in, in the special operations community with, with, uh, with Coach Greener is just really getting in people's faces with education and, and being unapologetic about it, not necessarily um, in, a, in a demeaning, demoralizing or deflating way, but, but how about that alliteration, but just in a, in a way that's, that's encouraging, like, hey, man, check out this resource, or hey, when can I come to your unit and talk about performance nutrition and, and, and maybe have a, a dietitian tag along and, and answer some questions. So, oh, man, Hiring professionals or, or at least getting in the room with a professional and educating yourself from somebody who has letters behind their name and is a trusted professional in their respective field. Right. The, well, the end. 
Yeah, and I will say this, like that that education piece, right? And and I don't want to like uh, the people that are in kind of the, the human performance domain now in the H2F, and because I know that's more familiar. But people that are living kind of in this domain and have been in there, right? I, I said it before. They've got to meet a minimum criterion of knowledge, and they've got to they've got to have a certain yeah. background of education. Doesn't mean that they are, you know, there are people better than them and stuff. But they come in uh, being able to kind of. Uh, think through some problems and, and solve some problems and address some issues and stuff. And they've done it for a period of time. And I would say that it's got to be a conversation. Everything great and everything worthwhile starts with a conversation. And so the education piece is really establishing, like I said, as general as it is, like what's a lifestyle look like and why is it important? Because it can confer mm -hmm. to these things and maybe that builds better choices because all we want to do is we don't want to say Wake up, eat six egg whites, eat this, eat that, bowl of chicken <laughs> breast, dry baked potato, you know, steamed cauliflower and broccoli. And nobody's going to do that, right? I mean, one, one guy will and nine, 900,000 won't, okay? So I would say that, but it starts with an education because we don't want to do everything at once. We just want to do one thing at once. And we can do one thing at once. And making that choice or maybe just pivoting off one thing builds a little bit of momentum. And so we get traction. And so that education piece is really conversational. It's not we're coming at you with textbooks and stuff like this, because I will tell you this, um, um, evidence-based evidence practice, right? So uh, when we teach, when we were teaching over in Europe and stuff, and, and some of the guys that were actually working with the NATO soft uh, units, well, they don't have resources. And they, they know the U.S. resources because we do cross-training and stuff. Some guys came over here and some guys came over. So everybody was familiar. So we went over there. We were teaching all over Europe and teaching and working with different national soft units. And so sometimes they hire somebody from the university, you know, uh, uh, the, the Czech Republic. They got them right there in Prague or something like that. Or they got somebody and they or they sent an old command sergeant major to go take a course or something like that. Right. Train the trainer kind of thing. But, right. you know, and then you don't want to get too dogmatic. But all we're trying to do is when we work with them is, is show evidence based practice is that let's see what the research says. Okay, and I'm not a lab rat guy, don't misunderstand me, but true evidence-based practice is how we can kind of push programming, lifestyle habits, things like that. What are peers in your community doing? What are peers in the soft community that are getting results? What are they doing? So I was in that in that JSOC element talking to everybody across everybody. And we were just trying to say, I'm like, hey, what are you guys finding results with with this? Or what are you doing with this? Right now, mission sets and and some certain capabilities are a little bit different, but the central nervous system's all the same, right? We just we just traded out different uniforms and different Velcro and a couple of funky looking guns and stuff. And so, so now so <laughs> we bring those guys in, but we show what are other people doing that are getting success. And then the third thing is, and don't ever forget this, is that true evidence based practice is what is going to what's going to be compliant and what's the end user going to do and what's what are they going to have success with? Because in a medical yes. setting, we want patient outcome, right? High patient outcome, great patient outcome. You know, it's human performance. We want somebody that's going to be equipped. They're especially trained, especially selected, especially, you know, educated. We want to give them that they're, they're, there's something that's actionable. And so we want to give them a piece of information they're going to act upon because we can have all the dogmatic and, and theoretical stuff and lab driven. But if they're not going to do it, it doesn't work. And so true evidence-based practices, get the research, find out what your peers are doing that's successful, kind of understand why. and then understand you got to meet them halfway to say what's going to work and then be agile thinking enough and growth mindset enough to say 
it's not ideal, but let's at least start here. Maybe we can work down the line, up the chain of command or whatever. Yeah. And so there, there is that. So when that education piece starts, we're not up there. We're not the, we got the ruler. You got to do this. And you, you know, a bad student. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> like we're coming over to your side, right? Because again, you know, I say my superpower is I've never served in the military, but that gives me supervision. And that allows me to kind of look through some different lenses and optics because you guys get in it and you're like, hey, this is the way we do things here. I mean, we just got to do it because this is the mission and the mission goes on and we just got to suck it up and rub dirt in it and stuff. I'm like, mm, what about if we fuel differently? What about if we take a 30 minute nap? What about if we can do some of that stuff a little bit different? So anyway, um, yeah, I, a little bit of a tangent there, but it goes back to that education piece because education has got to be a two-way street. They have to be willing to accept it and it's got to be actionable if it's going to be good because success is succession, succession of ideas and best practices. Yeah, no, that, that, that sounds a lot like um, in, in the counseling world, they're talking about like solution-focused uh, counseling. And one of the things that they'll, they'll do is say like, okay, like here's all the problems. What's one thing that we can focus on? Just, just give me one. Because success is like <laughs> contagious and you start that, that snowball at the very top. It's like, okay, well, we did this. That's really good. Is there one more thing that we could add? Is there one more thing? And then next thing you know, they've I always, it's, it's a success for me whenever I have four or five appointments and then one just, and also they just don't ever even cancel or whatever else. They're just gone because they don't need me anymore. They, and I, I never see them again. And then I'll bump into them somewhere else and they're just like, oh, hey, you know, like, oh, you remember when I used to come to your office? Like, yeah, like, oh, I'm doing so much better. It's like, okay. I'm going to forget. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> right. Uh, and so, so what you're saying is like, uh, it sounds to me a lot like, and not too undifferent than what I do with people on a, a mental, social, spiritual kind of realm, just applied to like their their bodies. Uh, so if I had a um, a soldier that, that showed up, and he's like, I'm super fat, broken, whatever. What like where would you point him to to go and like kind of outsource some of this diet? I mean, like where could I go and actually get somebody to actually tell me, hey, look, stop eating Fruit Loops, start eating this or or whatever. So what would be the step for her step? Yeah. And so here's the thing. And I think we, somebody had mentioned it that, you know, it's not bro science. Now you, there's a lot of interference effect. Like where does your nutrition information come from? Right. Are you going to turn on, uh, I'll just mention it. Are you going to turn on Jay Cutler? Are you going to turn on, you know, a bodybuilder? The guy looks great and stuff like that. Mm, well, okay. Maybe they got there in spite of themselves. Are you going to turn on some power lifter? Are you going to turn, you know, there's so many people. And so that information can get attenuated it can be overwhelming they don't even know where to go and they you know it's it's marketing there's nothing wrong with that i mean i didn't even know this guy called liver king existed in a couple of months ago <laughs> right. and he became an internet sensation because he got caught with like he he's not he's not natty and we're all right. afraid to say well he takes anabolic androgenic steroids we're, oh we're not natty no he takes drugs right. but I, I i didn't even know this liver king guy existed i i don't get on social media very much you can tell but there's so much interference. So my, my question is, right. Um, you, the question is, you've got somebody that comes in and says, first off, I don't let any of my guys, my coaches say anybody's broken. If the soldier wants to say that, I'm going to convince him not to say broken because if they're upright and they're moving, um, they're not broken and the spirit's not broken. The brain's not broken. You know, we, let's, let's get away from that because thoughts create kind of reactions and it kind of judges, it, it kind of, influences the way we behave and react and stuff anyway, that's good coach so i would uh, say yeah, that yeah that, I, that's a huge point like i mean like you speak reality I mean, like words become reality and so 100 like, yeah 100 i don't want to derail you like i, I just wanted to say like that's words, thoughts words thoughts and actions man it's all interrelated and right. so 
I, that's a hard question because you don't, if you don't have those resources, I, I tell guys to do this. The DOD has this amazing website. It's called the HPRC, Human Performance Research Center. On top of that, they have other, and it's across the ODOD. It's got everything, right? It's, it's, not one, it's not one branch of the military. They have thought leaders on that in every pillar, domain, and subject matter that you want in human performance. Sleep, finance, pre-deployment, post-deployment, strength conditioning. Is it, is it all super dialed in and stuff? No, some of it's very global. I push people that way. You can get on there. And you're going to get a uh, 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 Pamela Dooster. You're going to get a, a, a Dr. Daigle. She's a nutritionist. You can find an, an OPSS, which I think is a great website. It's Operation uh, Supplement Safety. And so these guys that take these big drinks and stuff get on there and you can do. So I, I push people that way because it's operationally relevant. It's written by people who study the military or in the military and care about the military. Because I will tell you this, uh, and one of my nutritionists back in Virginia, she'd worked in the supplement industry, and she built out this killer brief because she left after about a year, year and a half. But she was on the inside of the big supplement industry, and she built a brief showing how they cut practices, how they cut and they cheat, and they put other ingredients in it. And so she built this brief out to our guys and says, oh, yeah, if it's not third-party testing, here's how we get around it, right? So it's one of the third-party uh, test that we say it's got to be on your supplement. Even then, that doesn't it doesn't say that it's not going to be tainted. So I would say this. Go back to the question. Mm -hmm. I would go to the HPRC because it's dependable and it's for the soldier. And I would start there. And you can ask questions and get other resources from there instead right. of going on the YouTube and looking for the biggest, fittest woman, dude, whatever. Uh, you know. And so I. That would be my first stop shop. That makes sense. So like that, that really resonates with me because like uh, it, it was about a couple of years ago, I realized that like my fitness uh, like struggle wasn't necessarily effort, but that I, like over the course of, a, a, you know, a, a military career, almost getting to two, two decades, I had kind of crafted like a, a iron will. Like I could force myself to do anything for as long as you need me to do it. I will just keep, I will, I will eventually start complaining and griping about it, but I can make myself do it. My problem was that I didn't know what to do. Like I was, I was like, you had this massive engine, but where to direct it and like what, you know, how to go about trying to figure out what's the best way for me to improve. What should I be eating and stuff? So it's awesome that they have a website that will actually kind of like take people like me and say like, here, read this. <laughs> like, and start doing the right thing. Right. And it's super digestible information. You can get on there and they've got, they've just released a new product on them. They've got these great PDFs. And here's the other thing. That stuff and that one person that gets on there can share that information, right? There's total force fitness. It's it's written by nutritionists and strength conditioning coaches and psychologists in the military that are writing and pushing that product out. And you PDF it, download it. It's shareable. It's digestible information. And again, we want force multipliers, right? Leadership can be good or bad, right? You're a leader, whether it be good or bad. And so we want good leaders, right? And we want best practices. And and again, it's that little ripple. And so, uh, yeah, it's really great because it's free. And, and, and I think they have other resources that, uh, that people that don't have big budgets, you can tap into. I know their operation supplement safety. It only deals with supplements, but she has a full, she has a full budget to travel for free. And, I, and so, you know, she can fly out and do some crazy things. And so, yeah, uh, I think 
looking internally, although it's not sexy, because some people like in your people grew up about their jobs and stuff. Everybody does. It's accountants, doctors, lawyers, strength coaches. I don't like this. But right. Right, the last thing they want to do is maybe dip down into the company uh, propaganda, so to speak, again. But that HPRC is uh, it, it's a really good place. Yeah, it's a good place to start. Right. So, all right. So, uh, we're getting close to an hour and I don't want to keep you guys too long, but I do have one real like burning question that Josh brought, brought up is like, so intermittent fasting, get on your house. <laughs> I'm really curious. So, Cause it's really popular right now. There's a lot of people doing it. So. Yeah. So again, I go back to why, why are you intermittent fasting? So if, if I were to ask you why, um, captain, and maybe you play a game and you know, why are you going to do it? I'm going to peel back onions, right? I'm not Simon Sinek. But I'm going to get to your why. I'm going to figure that piece out a little bit. You know, why do guys want to – why do you want to have your bench press? Well, this. Why that? Well, this. At the end of the day, it's like, I want to look good in the mirror. That's fine. Okay. That's great. Do you know the bench press really isn't pec dominant, right? It's anterior deltoid dominant. So you want this big chest. So anyway, we get into this, these conversations. And so intermittent fasting, I would just say, why are you doing it? I it, it's it's like and do not get this twisted. I like CrossFit. I, I think it has some very good applications and stuff like that. A lot of people like to do CrossFit so they can say they do CrossFit. And that's the truth. And because it's a great community. A lot of people like to say they do intermittent fasting. I don't know if they do it and if they do it well. I don't know. I don't know if people do CrossFit and they go and they're super and, and they do it well and they compete at it. I don't know. So I would just say, and again, not picking on anything, but the intermittent fasting is very trending, it's marketable. Uh, people recognize it. I think people wear it like a badge of honor. I see people, I know I've heard I ear hustle. I'm really good. I got prison ears. I'm prison ears. <laughs> so I'm always on the hunt, man. I'm checking my back. I, I'm, I, I listen, I'm just ripping information, just waiting to use it later. And so I, I listen to guys and I know they're not intermittent fasting, but they tell people they are. And I see them and I work out with them and stuff and, and they're not. So intermittent fasting, um, you know, the research is. It's probably going to aid a little bit, maybe with caloric deficit, right? And again, I think Louise Burke, Dr. Burke, she used to be with the Australian Institute of Sport. I think she's the smartest sports nutritionist there is. Uh, I think she did some longitudinal work with high-performing athletes, and they tried intermittent fasting or training high, recovery low, and some of this low-carb stuff. And so basically, what they kind of found was it wasn't great for performance, right? And so... Um, in terms of what do you want to use it for? Is it, does it work with your lifestyle? Okay. Are you there to support your wife? Okay. Again, there could be a myriad of reasons. If you're doing it for performance, I would say that blocking caloric intake, especially around workouts or you're not taking in enough carbohydrates or anything else. Uh, I think Oof. we can all stand and slap the table that it limits performance at a high end. I think Louise Burke talked about, and I, one of the, I heard, I think it was her, she was talking about, you know, if you're a high performance car, it doesn't, allow, you're in fourth gear, but you can't get into fifth gear because you don't have the nutrient backing to push that system into kind of high performance. You can kind of sit That's there and coach. rev in four, but you can't get it in fifth. And so I tell people this if you are in cognitively demanding, um, uh, arenas or you're in a process or you're doing work your brain runs on glucose okay yep it is a muscle that doesn't have glycogen storage it doesn't store energy and so your brain is ripping fuel from your system in the form of glucose right 
And if you're not feeding your body to full, to, with glucose and you don't have a rapidly available energy, your brain does not function at an optimal level. And you might not like it, but you can't deny the science. And that is a fact. And I know people that tell me, work with guys, hey boss, I go, I'm 100% on four hours of sleep. I can do it every night, all night. No, you can't. And I can show you, we have the research to show you. Same thing with that. <laughs> we can take baseline cognitive testing. If you're doing intermittent fasting, I don't know, if you go on vacation, you want to do it, great. But when you're on the job and wearing the uniform and your actions can harm somebody or your actions can kill somebody and you've got to be spot on and you've got to be task specific and you got to know your stuff, to not fuel your brain, all right, is, um, I don't want to use the wrong word, but that's not a great decision on your part. It affects the team. And so... <laughs> Intermittent fasting, I'll just put it away. I don't think it's appropriate, especially when you're in the field and you're doing tactical things. Um, I, I would I would highly recommend it not to to partake in that. Right. And so, so my you know, I kind of guess my takeaway is that like like there's things that have have their place, but like you gotta use yeah. the right thing at the right time, like right tool, right job kind of thing. Right. I'm never an absolutist. I, like I said, if you want to go on a it, intermittent fasting and and the military has looked at it. They're like, hey, we have obese people that are coming in. Like, should we try to make that? That's in research. I mean, they've looked at that and they're looking at how maybe how to utilize that or something, right? But now the army has got these kind of free boot camp, right? And they're sending people like that are out or they can't test well or their body comp or their fitness levels, right? They're going for three or four weeks and they take them kind of the before they go to basic, the pre-basic stuff. And so you know, I don't know what they're doing with them there, but they're having success because they're rolling out even more of these kind of uh, pre-basic camps for people who are fitness level that are they're poor with their fitness level and some other, I think, task-specific things. And so it has a place. You're right. It's a tool. I'm not an absolutist. You never should be. Uh, but, man, if you're wielding that tool while you're active and you're hot. Right. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, well, um, what have I not asked you about yet that you uh, want to talk about? I, I, we're just having a conversation. So, you know, <laughs> I, would just, I would just say this, and I think this is so important, and, and I'm, I'm no John Maxwell. I like John Maxwell, but I just think leadership, man. I think everybody is a leader at every level. It is not positionally or title-related. You are a leader. People look over at you. They'll see some guy he's lifting this or girls lifting that or something. Everybody's kind of a leader. And so take ownership, you know, and, and be a positive force for change, right? It change is not easy and you have to fight every day for culture, but if you do things the right way and you're not kind of trying to round the corners a little bit and you're trying to do things well in your lifestyle uh, and working with others and you're curious about information, that's going to better facilitate inroads for other people to go oh yeah or you can have a conversation somebody's gonna ask you about hey man what are you eating or hey i see you lost some weight that stuff happens all the time and hopefully they have the right answer so being a good leader especially for people who aren't together all the time but then all of a sudden you got to come together man those high performing teams right everybody's gonna ha have to have an active role in that and so i would just think you know, leadership is, is we think of it as top brass, third floor C-suite and stuff like that, or it comes with the rank, you know, and stuff like that. But if, if you're a person of character and you have consistent kind of work ethics and things like that, and you're confident, you have a level of knowledge, you're, you're going to be a great leader. And so I think being able to share information with people 
Uh, and if somebody goes to HPRC and they pull off some stuff, they share it with them, whatever, in whatever capacity that is. But I just think it's super important. And I, I see people who think they don't control their own circumstances sometimes. Now, again, it's, it's driven and it's got to be, you know, rock, paper, rank. It's got to be something in that order for a reason because it won't be sustainable. But take ownership of your position and you can communicate leadership, you know, out to the sides, down, and up top. And so um, I would just think, especially from the human performance field, try to be a leader in that, kind of own your craft and get some more information, get the right information and share it with others. And so, because that's the domain I live in. And I see so much that just the basic things of, of lifestyle and just doing the right things when you're working out and just keeping your body fit and, and just trying to move well, that uh, it's super important for guys and gals who have a super important job. The rest of us are dependent upon them. Make no mistake about it. There's so much, just turn on, you know, before we got on here, an MQ-9 Reaper got bounced into the sea by a, by a Russian plane. Like, at the end of the day, you guys that are, that are wearing the uniforms are responsible for, de for defending the greatest social experiment, the greatest country in the world, bar none. Don't think Europe has answers. This is the place. And so I just want people... <laughs> to, to be optimal, man, personally and professionally, and it, it's blended together. You think you, what you can do as a soldier and, and, and ah, well, I'm just going to charge hard and not do this, and it doesn't go back with you at home or do things at home, it's not going to go with you back into the field, you're mistaken. Um, and so um, leadership's important. Just take ownership of it so you can help others. So I, thought, I guess I would say that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Coach Trent Greener, Thank you very much for talking to the 81st uh, Striker Brigade Combat Team. Man, I appreciate it so much. I wish you guys all the best and health and safety and everything. And thank you so much for what you guys do. Uh, my last seven years at going on eight in this community, uh, I never even knew how hard it was. And it's just hard. And so you guys have made sacrifices all day, sacrifice, you know, birthdays, Christmases, over, overseas, TDYs, all this other stuff that people have no idea about. I just want to say thank you to you guys. Anybody that hears this, and so grateful, so grateful for what you guys do. So thank you. It's our honor. This has been the Raven Report Podcast, the official podcast for the 81st Striker Brigade Combat Team. You can find more of our content on Instagram at Cascade Rifles or on Substack.